0: Welcome to our podcast, this is Leslie, Regina, and I'm Denise. Today, we will talk about the film Just Mercy, based on the best-selling book. The film presents the story of Bryan Stevenson and Walter McMillan, who was convicted and sentenced to death. We will have a special guest with us who has experienced wrongful conviction himself.
1: Bryan Stevenson and Walter McMillan are the main characters of Just Mercy. McMillan owned his own business, which was rare back then for, the man, for a man of color. On November 1st of 1986, an 18-year-old girl was found dead at the dry cleaners. Seven months later, after her death, police still had no leads.
2: I find it so ridiculous how they have no leads after seven months of her death, because no one today would get away with that. It makes me think, like, why can't it be that way for everyone, no matter what race they are?
1: I agree. It was until Ralph Myers, an opioid addict with a criminal record, Claim he saw McMillian standing over the dead 18 year old girl with a pistol in
0: his hand. This was the only evidence used against McMillian. It's crazy how just based on that false information, Macmillan was blamed for something he did not commit. Yes, it's actually really devastating. Uh, long story short, um,
1: Stevenson represented McMillian and helped him get out. Of course they had a lot of challenges that made it difficult. And almost impossible. Yet Stevenson never gave up and continued to fight for Macmillan's freedom. Mister Macmillan developed def- dementia at a young age as a result of damage he had suffered. He couldn't continue. He couldn't continue to enjoy the outdoors or get around without support in the last two days of his life. In the last two years of his life, on September eleventh, two thousand thirteen, he was
2: pronounced dead. The book definition of wrongful convictions is when a person is convicted of a crime they do not commit. We are here to tell and show you that it is so much more than that. Wrongful convictions are being physically and emotionally stressed. Being wrongfully convicted is not being able to have any control over your own life, over what will happen to you, and even endangering innocent people. Marvin Zelman even goes as far to say that wrongful convictions are miscarriages of justice. I
0: can imagine how stressful it must be to be wrongfully convicted the emotional and physical stress one, pay, one, one person may go through.
2: There are five common causes of wrongful convictions, one being eyewitness misidentification. This method is still being used today despite years of studies showing it is flawed. The second one being false confessions. This method is due to many different reasons like Threats or promises being made that give false confessors wrong incentives to lie on behalf of a stranger.
1: Yeah, and the false confessions method is the one that we see in the movie Just Mercy. And I believe people do do it uh, because they are blackmailed or being or something is being held against them. So they just confess
2: falsely, you know? Yes. Um, the third one is bad lawyering. This one mostly occurs with defendants that have appointed lawyers because... They are most likely to be overburdened the fourth one is an unreliable informant testimony this occurs when informants have incentives to testify against defendants that are not disclosed to the jury such as being paid money um, or having their sentences reduced last but not least it's unreliable oh last but not least is unreliable or improper forensic science this is also known as junk science and is unreliable because as experts in these fields will often agree and testify to evidence being accurate that is not even in their department of expertise. Please welcome our special guest, Manuel Rocha.
3: My name is Manuel Rocha. I'm 42 years old and I'm from Baytown, Texas. Born and raised, I'm married and I have four beautiful children three girls and one boy.
2: Okay, can you start off by just telling us your story?
3: This is my story. In 1993, uh, I was wrong, wrongfully convicted of an attempted murder and an aggravated assault when I was 12, 13. That occurred here in Baytown around the summer of uh, 93. Someone ends up getting shot. It was a gang-related shooting that occurred off of West Main. I was at some friend's house, and I can remember we were all just hanging out. I ended up telling one of my homeboy to drive me home and he drove me to the place where I was staying at my grandmother's house to drop me off because I just wanted to kind of call it a night. After all of that happened, this incident happened, I wasn't with them in the car anymore. This situation went down and somehow my name got put in the middle of it. About three days later I was at the mall with my girlfriend and, and the laws got there, the cops were there. I heard them call my name, and of course, I acted like I didn't hear them, and I tried to just keep walking. Uh, By the time I made it outside the mall right around the theater area, they called my name again. They got me, threw me against the wall, searched me, and told me that I was uh, under arrest for an attempted murder and aggravated assault. So I sat in jail for a while and ended up going to court months later, and I was wrongfully convicted of these crimes.
0: Well, what was going through your head when, when you were getting arrested, like what were you thinking?
3: When I was getting arrested for this, I really didn't know what to think. I was surprised and confused because I knew that I had uh, hadn't done anything wrong and I was wondering what really had gone down because obviously someone had gotten shot and something obviously did happen, so my mind just went back to my homeboys and the people that I was hanging around that night before I got dropped off, I was thinking, I was just kind of thinking, man, what did, what did they do? You know, what, what did they get themselves into? and uh, Who did they hurt? What happened? Uh,
1: what jail did they take you to and where you moved from jail to jail
3: and why? I was a juvenile at the time, so I was detained and I was taken over to a juvenile youth facility in Houston off of West Dallas Street. I was there for about six months before being transferred to a facility in Brownwood, Texas, where I spent maybe another two months. Then from there, they transferred me over to a facility in West Texas called Pio, Texas, where I spent about eight years of that of the time that I did before moving, uh, being moved to a facility in Bryan College Station where I served out the remainder of my 10 years. Well, it ended up being 10 years, but had gave me a two to four year sentence, but I ended up doing it 10 years.
2: Why did you end up doing more time than they sentenced you to?
3: I ended up doing that much time because... I was upset that I had been wrongfully convicted, and no one seemed to be doing anything about it. I had my ups and down I had my ups and downs there, and I got caught up in the mess and there fighting in there. I went through the whole remainder of my stay there, and I remember thinking if I' am gonna be locked up then I'm gonna be locked up for something you know that that I'm doing and not for something I didn't do. I couldn't prove my innocence, and I had already been wrongfully convicted, so my thoughts were if i'm gonna be here, then I'm going to give them a reason to to have me here.
0: Did anyone surprise you or hurt you by doubting your innocence? And if so, how did, did it affect your relationship with them?
3: I can't think of anyone that ever doubted my innocence besides whoever it was that put my name in it. I mean, obviously they, they did because they put me in the mix, but close people, relatives, family, they were always on my side and believed what I was saying was true. So. I can say no, no one ever closely, uh, no one ever close to me besides the actual accusers doubted my innocence. I had uh, people believing me that I wasn't there and that I didn't do it.
1: Would you say there were any positive outcomes you were able to take away from such an awful experience?
3: Yes, there was. I believe that had this not happened to me and had I not been put <clears throat> away that I could have maybe ended up in a much more worse situation in my life because I was headed the wrong way. I was doing the wrong things. I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, wrong people, wrong places. And I think that by this happening to me, it slowed me down and it put me in a a place uh, where I had the time to mature, to grow up and to think about things and to think about life and where my life was headed and what direction I needed to take so I wouldn't end up any worse than it had already been.
2: Did you file for wrongful commission?
3: No, I was young at the time and I really didn't uh, understand what it was that was going on. I didn't understand the judicial system, I didn't understand the court system, I didn't understand any of those things. So I was under the impression from the lawyer that was appointed to me that I would do what I believe he said was nine months to a year if I pled guilty. And so I was under the impression that I uh, went ahead and just did that and I would be out, so I was just ready to do that time and be on my way in and and out back at home with my family, back with my loved ones, but it didn't turn out that way.
0: What was going through your mind when you finally told, when they finally told you that you were getting out?
3: When they told me I was gonna get out, it was like a dream. I couldn't believe that it was happening. I couldn't believe that, that I was gonna be free. I was happy that I was gonna be free again, that I was gonna be, given another chance again, that I was gonna be able to do life again, and that I I have a, an opportunity to live out my plans, my goals, my desires, you know, w- what it was that I wanted to do in life, I was happy to finally be free.
1: What advice would you give to someone that was put in the same situation as you?
3: The advice I would give to someone in the same position as I was would be to understand the situation more, to understand the court system more instead of just district attorneys and lawyers are taking them at the word and trusting in them, you know, believing in what it is that they're saying because in my situation what they told me was wasn't what it was and I paid the consequences for a very long time.
0: From the story of manuel Rocha and the story of Walter Whitman We can see how wrongful conviction has taken place the same way throughout the years and is still occurring to this day. We hope that this podcast opens your eyes to the issue that is wrongful conviction and we encourage you to look into the Innocence Projects to better your understanding of wrongful conviction. Thank you for joining us from RDL to you.